What's up, everybody? Welcome to a very full episode 155 of Witty Banter. I'm one of your hosts, Chase Williams, and I'm joined by uh, just normal Hunter Dorset. Normal guy, everyday guy. And of course, we've got the Slim Reaper making his return to the show. <laughs> it's Max Scott. Oh. Max, it is good to have you back. It's good to hear your thank, voice again. Thank you so much, man. It's funny on the note of being the Slim Reaper. Hopefully, that will not be for too much longer because I have gained 14 pounds from, <laughs> up from God. what I've started since my base. In muscle mass? Eh, I you don't know. It's kind of a mix yoked, between dude? the two, right? I'm, I'm yoking it up, but I'm up down to 194 from 180. So dude, every day, weighing pounds. Holy shit! Yeah, and like you are looking filled out now that I think it about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. pretty. So, uh, yeah, slim you know for what, now. You know what keeps yeah. it packed on? Alcohol. And guess what? <laughs> we got plenty of that on here with Woody Thank Banter. Goodness. <laughs> what are you guys drinking today? What are we drinking, man? So this is from Dogfish Head Brewery, and it is the, uh, the classic. It says Woolrich on the top, but I don't think that's the name of it. It's I, oh, oh, it looks like it is a uh, a combo, a collab between Woolrich Brewery and Dogfish Head. Whoa. And crossover beer. And that's awesome. That's hot right now. It is the Pennsylvania Tuxedo, a pale ale brewed with Pennsylvania spruce tips. It's 8.5% alcohol by volume. And you picked this out because you're a big spruce tips guy, right? Yeah, I love yeah. the tips. Honey spruce tips for a sip. That's I like to spruce to it up. In high school. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, on the back, on the side, it says, Pennsylvania Tuxedo pays homage to the flannel-suited hunters and gatherers who dwell deep in the backcountry of north-central Pennsylvania, brewed in collaboration with family-run outdoor company. Uh, Woolrich Pennsylvania Tuxedo has a grassy citrus kick complemented by the resinous conifer notes. A fresh green mm. spruce tips. Looks like we're going to get a little nuggy in here. This looks like a nuggetocious <laughs> beer. So wait, what was the description? Hunters who wear what? Uh, Flannel-suited flannel hunters and gatherers. That's See, a Pennsylvania I thought you would though. probably cheer, like perk up because your name was used, but I, I think flannel might be like the opposite of Hunter Dorset. Have you I ever worn a flannel? have never You've worn got a flannel. pink polo on right now, so I figure you're pretty <laughs> far off. Hey, you're going to just drop... <laughs> He's going to drop me like that. You're really just going to destroy, you know, the ambiguity There's of radio. There's nothing wrong right with wearing a pink <laughs> polo. I'm just We're not, not that, saying it's not the opposite. Yeah, wrong with that. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, man, no. Well, anyways. Not really a flannel guy, right? <laughs> this is your first exposure on. into something even related flannel, which I didn't even know that that's what a Pennsylvania tuxedo was. I've never so. heard of a collaboration between a clothing company and a beer, so that'll be interesting. Is that what it is? Was yeah, Woolrich is attention? like, I think, a flannel clothing company. Oh, no wonder. It's For all those lumberjacks out there. Max, are you oh, drinking sorry. the same thing? Yeah, drinking the exact same thing. It was just a crazy coincidence. I came <laughs> over, I, I had one beer, he had one. I was like, no fucking way, dude. Yeah. Yeah, not really. He provided them both. Oh, Thank you, okay. Wonder. Yeah, it's a funny joke. It's what, a, are you, what are you, we, we what cracked are you drinking it. over there, we Chase? Uh, well, you know, Max is returning, so kicked it up a notch with another special... Um, whiskey here. Last episode, I had the Glen Rothis 1988, which our math was way fucking off, Hunter. It wasn't over 20 years old. That's over 30. That's almost 30 years old. I said 30, but... <laughs> yeah, we were totally wrong. <laughs> I was 100% uh, right. We were together. <laughs> we both really fucked up. This is yeah. a team thing that we did. If maybe, yeah. Well, I got In a fact, new challenge for you, Hunter, because this one is a Glen Rothis 1995. Whoa! Okay, Holy so a solid cow, what? Twenty three years old. Yeah. Twenty three years old. So Ish. these are basically the two heaviest hitters in the stock that we've got. There you go. Okay, beautiful. And I'm gonna try to see if there's any difference between uh, thirteen year disparity there. That's interesting. Nice. I would like to see if uh, if you could really like tell them apart by the age. By the age, you know yeah. what I mean. If you could taste them side by side, cyber side blind taste comparison. tests like Pepsi and Coke, which are fun fact the exact same. <laughs> the Glen Rothis owned by the same challenge. People. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what man. are the richest so, challenges you can come up with? <laughs> yeah. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Man, now, a whiskey drinker over there. I've got a lot lined up for this uh, for the upcoming witty banter that I'm excited to talk to you guys about. But I also would be loath not to check in on a couple things. First of all, being uh, the Houston Rockets did not make it to the finals. 
and yeah. I want to hear you would about how up. wet your tears were um, in comparison to mine. It was pretty brutal because the first half of the game, the Warriors were awful, and we were looking good, and I was like, maybe we don't need CP3. And then we chucked up zero for 27 three points in the second half, I think. And Is that a real statistic? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Something like that. Or we went like and 24 straight without hitting God. one. And it just seemed like literally every shot for them went in. Like it yeah. was just like inbound, pass, shoot immediately, in for three. Like every time. And I was just like, golly. <laughs> oh, that is... That's upsetting. I feel like there's like a limited amount of made buckets that you can make in a game between two teams. And like whenever we're or whoever's team is like not making shots, for some reason it f- seems to like fuel the other team yeah. to start draining. I mean, basketball is a game of runs, man. For sure. It's a it momentous game. Yeah. And I mean, I think the team with the, the better, all, better overall like talent won. I think it was just sad to see how bad we looked at the end. You know, and, and doing it at home in Houston, yeah, in our own home. Game seven. You know I didn't think I mean? we looked as. I don't think it looked as disastrous as a lot of people are making it out to be. I think in that back half, we were just running our game plan, and our game plan is what brings us victory. It's just we didn't hit any of the shots, and that sucks. But it's like I'd rather them at least be following the game plan and jacking up shots than trying to do something that they're not familiar with. And it just totally sucks that Chris Paul was injured, man. Yeah. yeah, that just, just leaves a big like question, not question mark, but like if he wasn't injured, what could it have been happened? different? Because we you know weathered I mean? that third quarter like the third quarter of the game previous is when they blew us out. And it's like their strongest corner. And they mm-hmm. certainly closed the gap, but we still had the lead by like a few points. So it was like, all right, going to the fourth. If we can just start scoring again, we could have weathered this third third quarter you know, slump. But it didn't happen, and it's a massive bummer. I hope this just – I can only imagine, given the type of competitor Chris Paul seems to be, it's going to light some sort of fire in him to come back next year, and I just I have to be there with him. Uh, yeah. Really wish it was us going to the finals, but it's not. But uh, there was more competition this, this previous weekend, and that was Combo Breaker, a major Very tournament true. for a couple fighting games that was held in Chicago. Uh, Cole Blair actually got to go up and check out some of it, which yeah, is pretty I cool. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I wanted to talk awesome. to you guys about Combo Breaker because I thought it was a pretty amazing event. We've kind of got this cool thing started where I think each of the three of us represents an interest in the competitive scene. Max being Street Fighter, Hunter being Dragon Ball Fighters, and myself being Guilty Gear. And Hunter, did you watch any of Dragon Ball Fighters from this weekend? I did not. I was uh, I was in Austin, and I ended up floating the river in Green, Texas, which was pretty mm. cool. But no, I didn't get to... Didn't get to watch it. Always a good time. I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler, but okay. Sonic Fox defeated Goichi twice oh. and <laughs> won grand finals. Damn. The only person to beat Goichi that whole tournament because wow. he, uh, he put him in the losers first, if I am not mistaken. Yep. Oh, my god. Then goodness. played him again and said, no, Goichi, what did I say? That was You're a, that was a uh, long-winded download there. Yeah, yeah. Download you really seemed to not be playing months. like at his best. It was kind of crazy watching him get opened up um, in ways that, like, you know, of course, are like impossible would be impossible for us to block, but look <laughs> almost kind of pedestrian at a high level. Yeah. And it was just like, man, what's going on with like Goichi right now? And I got to admit, like, respect to Sonic Fox because I really do hold Goichi in like the highest esteem possible when it comes mm-hmm. to his fighting game prowess in games such as these. Yeah, and while I still think he's a better player, Sonic Fox had his day that day. You know, that's dope for sure. And I think it's very cool for a lot of different reasons. One is that Sonic Fox is coming. When he got into Dragon Ball Fighters, everybody was very like concerned as to how good he was going to be. Now that everybody was playing the game, mm-hmm. and then he came out as being one of the better players. But then when he started getting blown up by Goichi, everybody was like, "Well, you've never played a game that had strong international." Uh, Competition, like competition yeah. from Japan, right? And I think he kind of showed that, like, even though this unstoppable 
player was like pretty much gu- not gunning for him, but like was the spot that he had to beat in order to like prove himself. He tried really hard and like learned a lot of new tech, learned a whole new team setup, adjusted to the new patch, and then beat him. And then on top of that, he was wearing his first suit the whole time, which is hysterical <laughs> to me because it's like he's like wearing weighted clothing essentially. Like literally, he's wearing a giant fur head mask. Yeah, he's wearing a full fur suit. It's probably hot as shit in there. I can't imagine you see that great. Yeah, out of that thing and still be Goichi both times. <laughs> so, you know, kudos to him, uh, bravo, and yeah. With a it was player. also pretty cool Let's because we saw a few characters in the top eight that we usually don't see. It's cool to me that Bardock is being run as like he's I guess considered top tier. Got a I lot think, of Bardock. Yeah, he's like considered one of the best he's becoming, characters yeah, right now. Yeah, pretty. Got a lot now. of safe jump setups that he can do and, and mix ups off of that. Uh, so invincible I would I, one level one, invincible level one, which yeah. nobody else has but him. So. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. strong. Thanks a lot, Arxis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also, you know, you've got Chris G, who I still respect a shitload as well. I think he's one of the best in the world. I love watching him succeed. He's For still sure. running with Trunks. You know, you got him in there. Uh, Hook Gang God still coming out with Piccolo, which always looks nice. That's and then, you awesome. know, even seeing people like Gotenks in Sonic uh, uh, Sonic, Fos- Sonic Fox's squad gets me excited. But um, I will briefly go over the Guilty Gear Top 8. We had our local champion named Hamad make it all the way up oh. to, I think, third place. And at the very... He was on the winner's side, and he uh, went up against Kazunoko for his first match, who, as Majin Obama, one of the commentators, was talking about, is basically like a Japanese gatekeeper sort of player. Like, he is just one of the gods in Guilty <laughs> Gear. And Hamad took him out without even losing a game. That's um, awesome. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and Hamad, like, watching that set and watching the adaptation between Hamad and Kazunoko was one of the most exciting sets I've literally ever watched. Like, I've rewatched it several times even since then because it was so exciting. <laughs> um, and then, you know, at, at the end of the day, the Guilty Gear set was, it seems, it's, it's crazy. Like, two years ago, me watching Guilty Gear, or even a year ago, it feels different than how it does now. And I really don't know much about, like, the highest competitive scene, but... I'm seeing more characters, like a, a more diverse set of characters, seeing people that I wasn't familiar with even a year ago rise up to the top eight, seeing a lot of people that I saw at Anime uh, Ascension in person play, which is kind of cool, but it was super exciting. I recommend anybody like going to, to catch up on it if you, if you missed it. <laughs> yeah, I really hope that Guilty Gear like maintains its momentum as being a very strong game in the FGC. I think that a lot of people... Uh, switched over to DBFZ and like made that their primary focus, and because mm-hmm. of that, just like adding another layer to the top games, unfortunately, kind of pushed the bottom half down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I am glad that uh, Guilty Gear ended up being on Sunday and stuff like that still, and I hope that that maintains because it's still one of like the coolest games and one of the, my favorite games to watch still. And it's so. cool that it's still around, and you're saying that there's still a fluctuation on characters being used yeah. and uh, people who are dominant in the scene and stuff. So that's exciting. It was a cool yeah. game. Very cool, yeah. Uh, and then lastly, we had a Street Fighter V Capcom Pro Tour event. And funny enough, because of number of entrants, it was actually not the headlining game mm-hmm. this year. Dragon Ball Fighters was. Wanted yeah. to get your take on that, Max, as well as your... Did you get to watch the top eight at all? Yeah, I watched uh, Street Fighter V and Tekken's full top eights. Um, I think that it's totally fair. I think that it was not the most popular game, technically, which means that, statistically speaking, you probably won't have the most people watching that game. You'll probably have them watching something else. I was still surprised that they did it because I thought that there might be some rules considering that it was a CPT yeah. event. And it's a CPT hmm. premiere and like considered very highly as being like huh. one of the three main events of the year wow. with Evo and stuff like that. So I was very surprised that he made that choice but at the same time i do think that it's totally fair and i think that's totally fine i don't think it took anything away from me watching street fighter 5 in the least in fact i was more stoked because uh they also revealed the cody trailer too as well (laughs) which is will be my new main character and then i will also be a combo breaker winning next year (laughs) with cody which is going to be really cool too as well so it's nice to you know get that ball rolling earlier (laughs) which is great i did i did want to touch on the the cody reveal and just Mm -hmm basically hand it to you and get your get your feelings i know this is a your favorite character from street fighter 4 uh, yes. i think a character that clicked with you in the sense that he almost taught you your style of street fighter at Most this definitely. point in time um and so where where's the excitement level for you 
Uh, super duper duper high. Um, it wasn't what I <laughs> tippy expected. toes, very tippy top of the mountain, <laughs> on the tippy top of the mountain, very <laughs> stoked. Uh, and then abruptly thrown back down to the ground when they were like, "You'll be out in one month," and you're like, oh, "I thought it was gonna be like a week or something." Yeah. Uh, but he looks fucking super cool, man. And I think it was a really interesting take on his design. If you don't know the lore of Cody, he saved Metro City, and then went to jail. Because of his actions for beating up criminals, because he was a vigilante. Okay. And then, Hagar, the mayor of city, vouched for him so much that he became the new mayor of the city <laughs> that once incarcerated him. Okay. So now he is the new mayor of the town, which is very cool because they also changed. So like a lot of his moves are like, you know, moves like criminal upper, right? Mm-hmm. But now that move has been changed into a criminal punisher, which I think is <laughs> very cool. Ooh, la, la. And then he's yeah. And then as just a character, I think uh, like design wise, he looks like he's a lot of fun. He's smiling a lot. He has that very like laissez faire style and very like laid back attitude, which I always like. And he does look a lot more like he does look a lot different. I don't see a lot of moves that I uh, you know, remember specifically from Street Fighter Four. That's what I was going to ask you: is yeah. if that was there, and if it wasn't, like, what if you get this character and his mm-hmm. play style is just a hundred percent different than it was in Street Fighter Four? Is that something you're just going to adapt to and stay loyal to the character, or are you looking? Are you going to stick with Ed, who is that frame trap kind of yeah. player? I uh, that's a good question, and I think that I will know on June twenty eighth, probably after mm-hmm. two days of playing with him. God, for that's sure. a long time. No, but uh, I will say that like I have a lot of loyalty to the character himself. I do think that the character is really cool and that he's very novelty, and I think his story is really silly. And that he's like canonically one of the strongest characters in the entire franchise. Of, I like, mean, I'm just at the point ridiculous thing. I'm at the point where when we talked about Street Fighter DLC last and recognizing how silly it was, that I recognize now that Street Fighter is kind of a silly franchise, and that they'd like <laughs> to get goofy and loose with their characters. And I'm kind yeah, of absolutely. accepting that a little bit more and more. Yeah, 100%, right? So I think that's always really fun and novelty. That being said, uh, his play style from Street Fighter 4 was exactly how I still play now. Lots of frame traps, a lot of plus frame moves. That's how I tend to open people up more than anything. And uh, if he doesn't play that way, that might be problematic. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe all the new tools and stuff that he has ends up being just something that I tend to really adapt to or it becomes a nice change of pace and helps me become a better player. So... I don't know, man. I am very excited, and I will be playing a lot of Cody. Right. Yeah. Focusing really hard on him. So. Well, I think Combo Breaker was a sick event. Um, it's you know one of the shining stars on the calendar every year. I had a blast. I, it very much felt like my um, like the equivalent to being a dad on a Sunday watching golf. I just, on Memorial <laughs> Day, opened up all of the VODs for top eights and for like five hours just watched fighting games. It was it was really relaxing and fun, but let's go ahead and kick it in to the real show. This is Witty Banter. Thank you, boys. Uh, Hunter, I know you've got a quick article. I have a little something I want to talk about before moving into more of just like a conversation. This one, this show is going to be a little more or a little less news driven than it has been. Uh, before I do, I actually forgot to mention this at the top of the show, so please bear with me. Okay. But at the time of this episode going live, my latest article that will be posted on OK Beast will have posted, and the title is Dark Souls and the Lifespan of a Masterpiece. And it's uh, something I wrote about Dark Souls to coincide with the remaster that just came out. I'm super proud of it. And if you're listening to the show, I would appreciate if you went over there and, and checked it out. Dope, um, will do. So without That's further awesome. ado, Very cool. Hunter, I will let you uh, start us out. Okay, so mine's not an article, guys. Okay. But it was just a happenstance that I noted on Hulu as okay. I was uh, watching My Hero Academia. Very cool. You, you watch know, it on Hulu? <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I watch it on Hulu or Crunchyroll. Doesn't matter. Yeah, okay, they're both absolutely. in Japan. They're both in sub right now. We don't have yeah, any. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so one thing to mention is all the My Hero Academia uh, season two are coming out on dub, which is pretty nice because they don't have a, they don't have that bad of a dub. Yeah, dub's really not that bad. So that'll be dropping actually next Tuesday, and so we'll have through season two on the dub. Hold on. On Tuesday, they're doing episode one, or on Tuesday? On Tuesday, so we're already available. halfway through season two on the dub, and we're they, gonna get the oh, other half it all the way up until now. Yeah, and so no, this is <laughs> right now. Sorry, okay, everybody happening? listening. Yeah, yes. what is this? Back up. Right now, we are in season three, 
And we're about uh, halfway through season yeah, three. Yeah, my, yep, I was okay, so. off. Gotcha. <laughs> totally. We didn't have the dub before. They've released half of the season two dub. They're going to release the other half of the season two dub on next Tuesday, which is oh, nice. that's cool. That's nice, yeah. The cooler and more, I think, just interesting and kick-ass addition to Hulu is that Yu Yu Hakusho, all four seasons, both sub and dub, got released on Hulu. Really? And I was just like, dude, fuck, yeah. And they also have fucking like Dragon... I mean, I don't watch Dragon Ball GT, but like they just dropped Dragon Ball GT. That was a new release that they put on there as well. I don't know. I just thought it was kick-ass. That's very sick, man, because that's one show that holds a place in my heart. And yeah. always will. And I also think that it's a... A show that is approachable even to a non-anime art era audience, too, mm-hmm. as well. And it's a nice show to be able to pitch to people in order to open them up towards... Because uh, the dub anime. is so good. And, and the, the plot's dub is really good. good. And the plot is fun and cool. And it's it's got a cool art style. And, yeah, that's a great, yeah, great find. Great find. Yeah. I am very stoked. On also, that. in the same track, right? I think we've all been watching Megalobox for the most part. I have not watched the very last episode that came out Thursday. So. <laughs> okay, I don't, we're I about won't. to talk. We're about to talk about Megalobox here. Okay, in a okay, cool, 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 cool. cool. Right bring on, bring what you got on Megalobox. Let's swing it over. Okay, well the then, well, before we get into a fucking anime blowout here, I want to quickly <laughs> mention. Yeah, let's okay. break that it up with something that's cool. <laughs> this is actually pretty cool. John Wick Three uh, was officially oh, given yeah. a release date on mm. May seventeenth of twenty nineteen. And pretty Damn. cool. And, and? Uh, a few casting decisions <laughs> yeah. were released. And, and Max, I already like that you know where I'm going with this because it's I time do. to fucking geek out a little bit. For sure. We have three of probably the most bombshell martial arts stars that have been <laughs> cast in this movie. We have uh, Rayan Ruion, who was the Beautiful. end boss in the raid, who was a fucking madman. <laughs> we have Sisip Arif Rahman, who was in the raid 2. And then we have Tiger Hu Chen, who was the protagonist of Man of Tai Chi, which was the... Um, I didn't know about that guy. I think we that saw guy. that, right? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, we all watched yeah, that together. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, absolutely, man. That movie so was great. So all three of those dudes are going to be in John Wick 3, and I could not be more stoked for this movie, dude. For sure, man. And just to clarify, because I, I didn't see the face of the person, the very first guy you mentioned, that's the guy who played a role in both Raid 1 and Raid 2, right? He's the guy at the very He's like end. Mad when Dog guy. Right? Mad Dog, where they're fighting yeah, him at the same name. time. Those two dudes. Yes. Are, yes. Yeah, that guy's fucking awesome, man. So, I mean, that just leads me to believe that this is going to be much less based in gun, uh, gun stuff. Yeah, gun Or maybe they're going to be transitioning to the gun fu style. Yeah, man. Maybe a little more integration of kung fu and gun fu. Well, that was definitely, yeah. I mean, I think gung fu is 100% a way you could describe John Wick, right? <laughs> I mean, where do you yeah, draw the line of... between the gun and the kung? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Do you? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Oh, but that makes me just very, very excited because the choreography in both John Wick 1 and John Wick 2 was awesome. And the way that they integrated gunplay into awesome movements and stunts yeah. and cool tackles. And it's just, yeah, it's an awesome combination. Like in John Wick 1, when those people are in his house and he's like flipping people over onto the table and then shooting them in the head, yeah, <laughs> which is very cool. That's right? not cool. That's, I mean, it's not cool <laughs> in reality, but in fantasy, it's the tightest thing that could ever happen. So I kid. I kid. But, yeah. No, and yeah. like, that's exciting. I'm also stoked for that tiger guy to get more exposure because I thought he was fucking awesome. Yeah, in the man of Tai Chi. Yeah. I need to and the watch fact that, again. that. Yeah. And the fact that, um, Keanu Reeves basically like wrote and directed that movie and probably has like a close relationship with him was very much like, we got to bring this guy on board. Yeah, you know, I'm hoping, sure. that, you know, with like the kind of person, yeah, that Keanu is, is like all those fuckers are just collaborating and just bringing it, man. I'm stoked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that fucking ending scene from Man of Tai Chi where he just goes back to the dojo and Keanu Reeves just like walks out from behind. Yeah. The oh my God. Ready just- to go <laughs> at an angle, man. And you're just like, oh my God, they're not even doing any bullshit. They're just about to fight. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking cool. Wow. Okay. Beautiful. Now, this brings us to sort of the second part of um, the front side of Witty Banter. I want to talk to you guys about anime. Because you both have sort of been holding Never the anime it. flag on our show for quite some time. You're endeavoring to write your own screenplay. And as I've let you, as I've listened to you guys go, you know, talk about the different shows that you watch, there is always a modicum of feeling a little bit left out because I'm not um, involved with it. And a big part of what has stopped me from getting into it is because I've been extremely thirsty to try to figure out, like, what makes anime 
anime. And that was actually something that we even asked our guest Ian when he was on the show yeah, many months ago. Yeah, for sure. And most of the answers that I've heard from people have just been unsatisfying to me, not because I think that they're wrong or like can't answer me, but it's just because I it's never I've never heard an answer that I feel like I could regurgitate to somebody as like a fact, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I recently speech or something. What's that? Like an elevator speech or something. Right. Yeah. And so I recently found this. Um, it was like a it was like a panel of animators who went through the history of anime as we know it from like the 1950s to now, and just line by line, artist by artist, were giving me tons of information that I think has honestly opened my eyes a little bit and is allowing me to enjoy anime through the lens that like I can relate to. And I wanted to let you guys know that I've been watching the series Evangelion and I'm watching the OVAs and I've seen the first two now, which is about four hours of content. And I wanted to let you guys know that this show is kind of blowing my mind and (laughs) all of the reputation that it seems to have earned, I think is totally justified. And I wanted to let you guys know that I've sort of entering this new journey um, of anime and sort of talk to you guys about it for sure. Um, Evangelion is an anime that I don't appreciate enough. Um, I watched it when I was very young and when I was very young, if, if you're familiar with Evangelion, there's a lot of like subject material that may not transfer very well to like a young mind. Like I just think I didn't appreciate it at the time. Mm -hmm. Right. And as I got older, I think I just, remembered it more than anything and as people started praising it more I kind of just was like yeah it was you know very like distinct and different so I actually as you're watching that now I might try to go back and rewatch that a little bit now with a more adult mindset and try to like really understand and appreciate that uh the film or the movies and the show for what it is so yeah I I don't have uh like I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's like this flawless masterpiece of a movie because I think there's actually a heavy portion of it that I don't like as much in terms of how almost melodramatic some of the story and the themes come across. So like there's a lot of religious imagery and sometimes that gets me really excited because I like when, when shows play with that kind of stuff, but the way that they weave it in there, I just think is super boring and doesn't work. Um, and (laughs) that's what I remembered as a kid. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And there's also a lot of the way that they, um, exposit their story that I think doesn't, serve the the movies very well in terms of like pacing and and things like that but that being said the animation and the scale of destruction in this movie i think are the highest i've ever seen like when explosions happen in this movie or like final attacks happen in this movie it is like breathtaking like literally like i turn around at dairy and i'm like are you fucking serious this is nuts and i've just never seen any show or anime convey this sense of scale and destruction before. And that's sort of the main piece I wanted to give on to you guys. Um, and, and now there's actually some more characters that are opening up, and I do like some of the characters. I like some of the gravity of the whole thing, but I, that's what I wanted to mention to you guys. Yeah, I think that like at this point in anime, if you took scale objectively, you can find one anime that's always going to have some bigger stakes or some bigger scale than the anime before. But what makes and gives something gravity as far as scale is usually like the intimacy that they show through the destruction and like what's that causing to either people or things on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And I think like, I don't I think it's kind of hard to find a good example off the top of my head, but like when you destroy buildings and then like, like, you know, if you destroy a building from the outside, it's a cool monster movie. But if you yeah. destroy a building and then show the inside of, like, people inside getting crushed or yeah. something, that completely changes the scale, right? Yeah. And that's what, you know, definitely movies like like Man of Steel and stuff try to, like, convey. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a crazy action movie. But then also, look how he killed a bunch of these people and all this kind of stuff, <laughs> yeah. right? So I think that that's just usually the question of scale and stuff like that. So well, Because, you know, you look at Dragon Ball Z and it's like, well, if we don't win this fight, these seven universes are going to explode. And it's like, <laughs> well, that sounds pretty big, but I don't really know. You can't them, grasp right? that. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to grasp, it's, right? And it's also, in, in the case of Evangelion, the scale comes through and just like the impact, like the feel of the moment. Like, the second that that explosion happens it's almost like you feel it in your chest you know it's yeah. <laughs> it's wild dude that's awesome and so man. that brings me to point number two you know trying to get with you guys on all your hip new shows 
<laughs> I am 10 episodes into My Hero Academia season one. Okay. Oh, okay. Nice. I'm just going to preface this with, I don't think I would have ever recommended you My Hero Academia. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think that you would. Really? That's it? Just a guess? <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, we can definitely talk about this. But I mean, that I don't, show I th- is a trope fest. There's a that lot of tropes too. Is, uh, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's like a, a guilty pleasure by any means, but it's definitely something that embraces my enjoyment of childhood anime. I'm right? trying yeah. to kind of figure out what you guys see in it because I am struggling to be entertained. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you my sort of complaints and my gripes with it. One, something that I'm learning now through my own, like, uh, I guess, search for uh, information about anime is that I don't like when characters go what they call off model, when they really start to distort the characters, either through their actions or through like their facial expressions um, in Mm, their like. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't understand what you you mean by this. So think about like the key art for Goku, right? Yeah. And then when Goku gets super uh, surprised by something, his mouth becomes bigger than his head and his eyes get super wide and things like that. Um, I feel like My Hero Academia communicates most of its humor through off-model punchlines, and those just don't land on me because I'm... Mm -hmm. That's that's an anime thing, yeah, for sure. I understand. (laughs) I understand why you don't. No, for real. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that embraces the cartoon aspect of it hard. Which yes, is because it's more abstract. Don't want to do, yeah. yeah. It's 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 more abstract. If they did that in like Cowboy Bebop, you'd be like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, but that's the kind of distinctions that I wouldn't have really been able to like put into words until recently. But that is something that I don't like about it. But secondly, like, I truly think that the story is just told through like words and dialogue. Like, nothing about what the characters think or feel is communicated other than through their internal thoughts and through their conversations with each other. And I really feel like I am just watching an animated version of a manga. And to me, what's yeah. the point of having a TV show if I could just go read that instead? Yeah. Hold on. Let me put my soapbox here <laughs> and then I'm going to hop on top of this. And yeah, no, that's like the biggest problem with anime. And it comes from one. I think it might just be like a cultural thing like that. That's a little bit more acceptable. Mm-hmm. in a different style of culture when we might be more used to some more like Western cinematic elements, right? But there's very little inference usually in uh, anime. And, but I'll, I mean, a lot of that comes from the idea to where it's, they don't have all the money in the world. So doing Absolutely. all these different things that like showing imagery costs so much more than a still and a mouth movement yeah. or just inner dialogue to explain something. Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem. And I think that as you brought up before with our screenplay, that was something that we really wanted to challenge a lot, I think, in anime, because you have this ability to convey anything visually, you know, mm-hmm. because it's it's an art piece, you know? Just You're not, through the slightest expression or... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And exactly. That usually doesn't convey very well, like, slight expressive changes, different specific looks that are hard to convey when you have usually, like, a limited amount of... I don't know if it's like art is the right word or just detail in somebody's face mm-hmm. and something as you do in anime. So I totally see where you're coming from and hopefully that'll change in the future. And usually the animes that I recommend you are animes that I think try to step outside of that as best as they can, which I think you get a lot of stuff. I think that like Cowboy Bebop does that very well. I Absolutely. think that um, Megalobox, you know, at times it has a little bit more dialogue, but I think that's doing it a lot, very well in a lot of places. Helps you build the story around it. Mm-hmm. Helps you piece things together. And it doesn't just assume that you need to be told what's going on. Yeah. So, And I, mean, I, I agree with like what you're saying about like basically the funny humorous aspects hit maybe only like 20% of the time in that show for me. I think what's what I like about it is like that it'll get me thinking like that like oh this is fucking silly and then at certain parts it'll just like switch into like a pretty serious moment and I think the serious moments um with having like I don't know I, I just think All Might's fucking cool and like I just believe that he's unstoppable like every time I always watch something happen I'm always like yeah but All Might's going to fuck that guy up <laughs> So, I don't know. I guess I've just, like, bought into the characters more so than I mean, I want to give a shout-out to the heroes, because I do think they are clever. I thought his teacher, Eraserhead, had a sick fucking power. Mm-hmm. And I really Very like cool those 
that you get like these packages of sort of like constraints and rule sets constantly that takes a lot of imagination. Mm-hmm. And I do want to continue watching and but the the main thing for me is if you know you're saving money uh, in your budget on shots where things can be a little more still, a little bit a little more stagnated, that's usually at the offset of animating a couple of scenes heavily. And those scenes are the ones that are dubbed usually the most important in the mm-hmm. show or in the in the movie. True. And I just can't see where My Hero Academia uses those moments. In fact, I can barely even tell when they happen. Like to me, there's never like these moments of like, oh shit, they're laying like this is where the action is, or like this was clearly important because there was so much animation in these scenes. I just feel like it's kind of this really baseline level throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can't help but like agree with every statement that you've said. And I actually wish that I had that we had somebody on. Like, I wish we had somebody like Ian on because I know that Ian himself he like really really respects uh, the show and he thinks it's doing something really revolutionary. Hmm. But it's something that I don't necessarily see even myself. It's like hard despite to speak the fact to that I do like and watch and keep up with the show mm-hmm. myself. So I now. Mean, I wanted to kind of transition this into Megalobox because there's been eight episodes at the time of this recording and I just caught up with all of them. So before this, um, this episode and I got to admit, I was starting to fall into the same mindset in like the back three or four episodes in the sense that it's, it's how I'm thinking about it now is that you have the audience and you have the story. And the story is very simple, right? It's the script of the show. It, and it yeah. gets literally sentences as small as like, so-and-so was sad. And, you know, there's like epic fight scenes that happen, like let's say in Star Wars between Vader and whoever that are like these amazing 10-minute scenes in the movie theater. But on the script, it just says Vader and so-and-so fight, right? And, yeah. it's, and it's the minds of everybody else that bring that to life. And in that middle section between the audience and the script is the storytelling, and what you use to tell your story can be the sound design, the animation itself, all the voice actors, all of that stuff. And at first I was really I was getting down on Megalobox because I found it starting to recede into that overly exposited narrative stuff where I was like this is starting to feel like a manga to me. And there was one particular episode where they're going through the backstory of his trainer and they literally do like flashbacks to things that have been said at the start of the episode. And it's like, guys, I just fucking watched this. I know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. You can stop with this. Right. And it was very, it was very frustrating to me. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I got off onto like a ranty way of talking about Megalobox, but I still am enjoying it. And I'll tell you guys why in a second, but I also want to hand the floor over to you and let you, I want to ask you guys where you're at with that show. Uh, I felt the same thing right in the middle uh, that I felt that it was starting to rely on like I couldn't it started to rely on more of those tropier more spoken word like dialogue things overtelling things uh, yeah and that little middle part section I do and I couldn't tell if it was maybe some of the tropes that they started to bring in like it was like right after they brought the child character in mm-hmm. and it started to get a more anime feel like mm-hmm. anime as in like cliched anime feel. Yeah. Um, but I do think that the way that they ended that mini arc where he's talking about his, his past life with uh, like his trainer's past life and like the guy that he was bringing up before Joe mm-hmm. and how they ended up ending that whole confrontation, I found to be very interesting and delightful. Myself. It paid and off. It, it yeah, definitely I think it paid, paid off. off. Yeah, for sure. I just don't and know if they needed forward. that like laborious setup for it. You know, for sure. And I think that that prior episodes to that are definitely the weakest points so far. But that episode, and then the episode I believe after that, and the way that they ended that one. I mean, like the one that I'm on because I haven't seen the very last one. I'm on a cliffhanger still right now, and <laughs> yeah. I gotta go home and I figure out what the what, fuck is going on. I think I know that's what you're fucked talking up. about. Yeah. So <laughs> I gotta go figure that out. Uh, but. Just, just the fact that I felt that way at the end of an anime usually lends me to believe that it's, it's not following these more cliched tropes because I was caught off guard by it. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's, I do understand where you're coming from. I definitely felt what you felt at those middle episodes, but I do feel like I'm already back into where I want to be. So I think I'm getting now to the point where, you know, I'm very much about attachment, my attachment to characters like specific just like this character is cool i like this character 
and I don't even give a fuck about the plot a lot of the times. Now, if you get a cool plot or a cool way of telling a cool story, do you like mean like Cowboy character Bebop, designs, or do you mean like character development? That kind of I stuff. think so. I think character development, chara- character design, and then just like character abilities and like what the character is ultimately going to do, uh, both physically and I guess mentally or whatever throughout the show. Um, like for instance, like I think Joe is like we've said, he's kind of like a blase version of like the cowboy bebop guy. Yeah, like yeah, and yeah. so and so for that reason, I don't think he's like particularly interesting. But I think the other characters that he's going to have to go up against, like um, like the lady who's running the tournament, her brother is going to be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just watching Yuri like interact with the other people that he's going to be fighting, like Glenn Burroughs or whatever that guy's name is. And I don't know. I'm just I like, I guess, trying to dig into. Yeah, I guess character development, really. Like, them giving me a piece of the pie of what a character is and then slowly watching characters unravel. And I, I think, I guess I'm just a little... I've never been a huge, uh, very picky on plot. I think if, some, I think if Dude, something is... I can is, hardly follow plots nowadays. <laughs> I, think, I think if something is relying heavily on plot and it sucks, then it's like, well, no, I don't like this. But if it's like... If there's not much plot, but there's fucking cool characters and like cool things that are happening, I'm okay with it. You know? Yeah. No. Interesting. I mean, I yeah. Agree with that. I mean, in that, in kind of going back to the conversation about what storytelling is, how you get the story from point A to point B, and looking for these scenes that were going to be heavily and a little more animated than the rest because that's where the the studios are spending their budget. I was having trouble finding where the extra spectacle was when they, they were actually boxing each other. And I was looking at a, with a very visual like state of mind there, like trying to watch the animation with my eyes. And I was a little disappointed. I, I felt like we weren't getting this extra set of detail, maybe these extra action flourishes that I was hoping for. But then I also started recognizing that like I think a lot of those action sequences are conveyed mostly through the sound design instead. And I hmm. do think that like the sounds of the punches and the way that they kind of tell the back and forth hits and what's being blocked through the sound is still really cool. And that is something hmm. that I don't have a lot of experience with in the anime world, but I'm at least picking up on it as just a viewer. And I really appreciate that side of things, you know? Yeah, nice. no, for sure. Absolutely. Right well, that's on. cool, man. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're. Uh, glad you're still on the spreading your wings. On, uh, yeah, the I'm gonna. Game. I'm going to continue watching Megalobox. I've kind of found those guys who gave those pre- that presentation I was t- telling you about, and I've taken a lot of the terms and a lot of the names of artists that they were talking about in the, uh, the basically the lineage, the evolution of anim- Japanese animation, and I'm still st- kind of trying to study it and hone it down, get the vocabulary out there so I can really lean on it because that's just the kind of person I am. Um, and as that happens, I'm just constantly getting more recommendations for movies and shit to watch. So I, I think what it's going to end up being is I'm going to be less of like a TV series person and more of like an OVA watch the movie type of person. And Mm. I'm excited to share with you guys sort of what I've been watching and what I'm taking away from everything. Yeah, for sure. You get a lot of quality out of those movies too as well, which is way different. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll have to see if, um, if you're, if you're finding anything maybe that's unexpected or that we haven't watched that you can recommend us now. Yeah, true. Because, I mean, I'm honestly it's always... two-way street, baby. I'm always ready to at least try a new show if it has people that I trust recommending it. That being said, I think one of the things that we've noted is that, like, we are not... Fla- <laughs> we aren't flag bearers for anime as a whole. And similar to my taste in music, most anime I really don't like. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if I'm scrolling so, through Country Roll, it's a long time to get to the episode or the yeah. shows that I want. <sighs> Scroll all the way through, all the way through. Finally, a good one. That's hilarious, yeah. man. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, put the kibosh on it right there and go to halftime. If you want to keep up with the show after the microphones have turned off, be sure to follow us on social media by searching Witty Banter Show on Twitter and Instagram and liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. 
Want to steer the conversation or be a part of the show? Just go on down to wittybantershow.com and leave us a suggestion for a beer or a question for us to answer on the show. And if you like what we're doing and you want to support the cause, head on over to iTunes and leave a review and feel free to share it with your friends. Let's get back to it. The Dogfish Head collab. Is it any good? Dogfish Head is give pretty high pedigree. Mm-hmm. I trust just about everything they do, so I'm I'm interested to hear how this one's coming out. I really can't think of like a bad dogfish head beer that I've had, <laughs> or one that I like noticeably said was like blah. So <laughs> you I mean, don't have any more beer, Max. That's one. Yeah, well, let me to go ahead by. and to say that I could not help but drink this entire beer because this shit is very good, and I wish that I hadn't drank it so fast so I could take like one more sip and give you a more distinct, detailed analysis on it, but. There's just something like both crisp and smooth and piney and piney is a perfect word. I think piney is exactly how this beer tastes and feels with like maybe undertones of like citrus, but it's not like in the most like straight up way where you feel like they added some form of like lemon juice or something to it. That just feels almost natural. Like it feels like the citrus comes out of the floral elements and the pininess that comes initially from the trees. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so I mean that beer was very good, and I will keep my eye. I 100 percent agree. I agree with everything that you said about it. Yep. And I also just want to add that it is in an incredible beer to be 8.5 percent alcohol by volume. This is 8.5. It does. It that's fucking insane. Like it's like a five percent alcohol. This it is incredible. fucking does not taste anything. Like it is, I could chug the whole thing. Yeah, that's a fucking. This is very high on the chugging meter. The fact that it's (laughs) over eight percent. Yeah, this means it's also very high on the dangerous meter. And this uh, is this is one of the best beers we've had on the show. Yeah, this is one of my favorite beers in a very long time. This beer is very good. Good on you, Woolrich and Dogfish Head. Yeah, this is delicious. Please go try the Pennsylvania Tuxedo. It's very delicious. It's good timing. Um, Yeah. So the Glen Roth is nineteen ninety five. I really do feel like it is the. The brother of the one that I had last week, I, I want to say, you know, we talked about how aging things just really mellows alcohol out and blends all the flavors together. This one tastes a little bit hotter than the one before, so I can, I guess, a little bit feel that extra aging, though, you know, it'd probably be sacrilegious to say that I didn't feel it at all to those who drink a ton of it. And it would probably be really pretentious to those who drink none of it to say there's a huge difference. So I'm right there in that middle ground, right? Yeah. Just be, just um, do you, man. Do good old <laughs> neutral. You know what I mean? Um, you know, that being said, I was talking to Darian over the weekend after reviewing the last one, and she was really mentioning how Glenn Rothis is kind of like the best scotch, I think, to introduce people to scotch to on, even though may, that might not entirely be the case because I was introduced to something in the opposite direction. But that is because it's so not smoky. It's so sweet. It's so light. Its flavors are citrusy. Um, and a little like, you know, bright with like honey and things like that. And and this this one is still in that area. So it's just it's just really light and enjoyable. I do think the 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 one that we had last week had a little bit more of like a depth to it. Um, there was just a richness in the last one where it felt like there were all of these layers and it really filled my entire mouth with its flavor. This one is doing that a little bit less so. So it, it does look, kind of just feel like an underpowered version of the one I had last week, which I think exactly what I would have expected. So Interesting. Yeah, I, think I was kind of curious because I feel like in the last one, you definitely said that it like checked all the boxes and it's a high shelf beer or <laughs> high shelf whiskey. Uh, but I, was, I felt like maybe I was underwhelmed by your response. And I didn't know if maybe you wanted a little more pop or pizzazz that might have been uh, d- the extra aging or something that mellowed I it mean, out. I mean, dude, I yeah, I kind of went off on like a weird metaphor, but the beer last week literally made me feel like like the way I described it in my head was a fucking like placid lake with light shining through, and underneath the fucking surface of the light is just these twinkling bright refractions and then you're looking at that and then you look up in the air and those refractions shoot off into the air and explode with fireworks and that's how yeah. that fucking that is that's how actually, that whiskey that's felt what it says drink. on the back of the bottle so, so you eat some cinnamon toast crunch that. is yeah. what you're saying <laughs> that sounds like an experience in itself yeah uh, absolutely oh, all right yeah. max uh you said you got a little bit of something to talk about i think this is a conversation peach so yeah. take it away <laughs> yeah absolutely confirmed could be maybe a conversation peach Oh, check it out. 
finish the conversation, Peach. But it um. starts with this. Uh, so apparently, PUBG is planning on suing Fortnite mm. for taking. I've heard about this. There, <laughs> oh, I'm ready for this <laughs> one. I've heard. Uh, it. <laughs> that's all I got. No. Um, so it says here that they haven't officially come out and started to sue them, but they have looked in with some Korean organization to check to see if they have any intellectual property that may be in jeopardy based on what Fortnite has done. And if you aren't familiar with it. Um, PUBG was a battle royale game that came out and really fucking took the world by storm for a very hot minute um, with a very specific and unique style of gameplay that Fortnite uh, essentially now does, but in a version that added one extra element to it and then mm. also made it free to play. And be- a lot of people think that because of which it has now made Fortnite the main focus if you want to play this type of game and effectively killed PUBG, right? Okay. So what this brings into question for me is that as we go forward in the future with video games, we are starting to see new quote-unquote genres come up. And the last one for me that really like comes to mind is the idea that within the last couple of years, you see games come out that say that they're Dark Souls-like games, mm-hmm. right? And then now you have like a new genre, right, that's based around this different specific style. But with this new Battle Royale type, I think that that's a more objective form of gameplay. Like it's not just like that the game is tough, or that the mm. game is, you know, like it's not like questy, hard, and like yeah, it doesn't get pull any punches, which makes it a Dark Souls game. But this style of game, when you look at what Fortnite is, it really is everything that PUBG is, and then some. So the idea that they're coming out and like, I'm just wanted to see if you guys think, do you think that they have any grounds to actually sue somebody for taking their quote unquote idea, if? Specifically, as we go into the future, you're going to start seeing more games come out that are this new type of genre, this battle royale genre. Like, is PUBG battle royale game, or mm-hmm. did they just like, or is that something that's more open? Like, did they just invent the new shooter and they're trying to say that we're the only people that can be a shooting game? I'll I'll give my quick my hot take on it. It sounds to me like they had a thing that was new and that you know kind of pushed the um, first-person shooter into a different direction that people... It was like a latent desire that people uh, liked and that um, you had Fortnite just make a, a little slightly better version of it and that they're a little butthurt, that it took kind of all the... Th- I mean, and it just sounds like they're trying to be like, well, it was our idea and like almost like say that they patented the genre, which is yeah. cool if they come up with the idea... But at the end of the day, it just sounds to me like unless Fortnite is like taking the digital assets that PUBG made and applying it and just doing yeah. literally the exact same thing, I mean, if it's a, it just seems like it's a little bit of a kind of a cold shoulder or chip on the shoulder kind of like uh, we need we want the recognition we are deserved. That's what it kind of sounds like to me. Yeah, I mean, given what's coming out with uh, Fortnite, I think you guys already talked about it in the last episode where like their new gaming circuit or whatever is like yeah. a hundred million dollar prize pool, <laughs> yeah. which just shows how fucking huge the game has gotten. <laughs> Chase, what do you think as yeah, an inside man? Guy. There's video a lot gamer. to unpack here. Um, first, I wouldn't consider battle Royale, I wouldn't consider PUBG or Fortnite to be new genres of games. I think what it simply is is new modes of uh, established shooting genres. So they're both third person shooters and it's basically like, instead of saying team Deathmatch, capture the flag and territories. Now there's going to be battle Royale at the bottom. Mm-hmm. You're going to see yeah. battle Royale pop into a ton of different shooting categories because it, it's simply a new mode for shooting games. Then you have the fact that PUBG is based on other games that have done battle Royale before it. Battle Royale is not a new concept. PUBG sort of got the first, lightning strike of popularity and that was because of a lot of the design decisions that they made about this scarcity of weapons and ammunition random drops the way that the map is set up Um, they did some things that made themselves unique and so it's already strange for them to be claiming that they coined battle royale when it's just a undeniable fact that they did not Two, it is incredible. You cannot patent video game designs. Like, (laughs) unless you patent some sort of specific term, like the word souls-like or things like that, like, 
that can't happen. And you only have to look at the precedents inside of software patents already and the fact that all of Windows programs are basically have been copied into the dirt and there's nothing they, they can do about it from a patent side. There's nothing that they can do yeah. about what Fortnite has. And then as to why Fortnite is succeeding, while well, PUBG, and I think this is just a horrible look for PUBG because I think it's just highlighting how quickly their fame came and how quickly it's going because of Fortnite's success. First of all, Fortnite was able to react to Battle Royale quickly because it is just, mo- it's a mode, it's a set of constraints. But that being said, that game was in development for like five years. It's a finished product. PUBG is not. PUBG is in beta and it shows. And there is a ton hmm. of rough ed- edges with PUBG and you don't have any of that with Fortnite. Second, Fortnite has the building mechanics, which as we talked last week, you have this intersection with the Minecraft players of the world who understand that language of play and they're now getting to combine it with third-person shooting in a way that's never been done before. That alone is a differentiating factor that I think blows the the piss out of any argument PUBG can make about <laughs> how their game is is Agreed. being copied, honestly. Yep. And lastly, it's even funnier to hear PUBG talk about copying things when a lot of the assets that they use in their maps and in their game are store-bought assets, literally bought from like the Unreal Store or whatever engine that they use. Hmm. Assets that anybody making a game could go in and buy and then plug into their own game. And because of that, PUBG has this very generic third-person shooter feel because it is a nondescript as it's it's an, a nondescript asset package whereas if you look at Fortnite that has this very vibrant painterly art direction it is immediately discernible by people uh, who play Fortnite and those who don't when you see a screenshot of Fortnite you know it is Fortnite and that's a huge reason why it's so successful that is something that PUBG cannot claim patent infringement on and that's sort of my complete in a nutshell thought on it and I just I just think it's a terrible look for them. I just like, what are you doing to yourselves? Like this, this is sounds like a PR suicide, you know? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I 100% uh, agree with you. And I also saw the irony in the fact that like they copied us when it's like <laughs> yeah. your game looks like every other game because you just <laughs> bought this thing that everybody uses. Like you have effectively copied other people. And then it is like, it is Worth noting that Fortnite has been in the uh, in development for a long time, but I'm not exactly sure like how much of Fortnite was decided as a game mm-hmm. uh, up until uh, really? PUBG came out. Like what the exact premise of that game was going to be, mm-hmm. and it whether was or not a single player or like a a multiplayer slash single player package where you fought waves of zombies essentially, and the yeah. building mechanics came uh, at the point where it was like. You would make a fort and then Hmm. that whole loop. So does that not... So is it like... We can openly say that PUBG came out, Mm -hmm. was very popular, mostly because it like didn't spend too much time on its design and focused mostly on this this new constraints, like you say, this new mode, Mm -hmm. which objectively is very cool. Yep. You know, shrinks in, closer, forces you to fight each other. Yep. And then Fortnite, which has been in development for all this time, never really got any footing, was kind of in a little bit of like a limbo area is what they wanted to do, kind of changed their, that mode. So they had all this other stuff that they had for their game, which was that painterly style, that the building aspect to it. And then they took the mode that was becoming popular based on PUBG which I know has been like Battle Royale has been done before, but that's specifically the idea that like the circle comes in, you are flown down onto a map, mm-hmm. the circle comes in and you are forced to fight each other at the very end. That, I'm, to my knowledge, I don't know anything else that specifically does that like PUBG did. Mm-hmm. So, and then Fortnite is the exact same mode as that. So it is, I think, worth noting that they definitely saw that. They definitely saw that in PUBG and said, yeah. we're taking that and we're using that. That being said, 100%. that's fucking fine. Yeah, that's yeah, totally fine. You know what I mean? I, I don't think see a totally problem fine. with that. Because there's really, yeah. If but you do, make it better, then you made it better. <laughs> that is true. Because we are also seeing, and I'm, I'm curious to see how Fortnite sort of survives this next round and if they're going to end up being like the staple and always being up because we are going to have another round of uh, Battle Royale people. I know Call, the new Call of Duty game, which has a gigantic fan base, is now implementing Battle Royale over a story mode. Hmm. They're not even doing a story in their new game. They're replacing that with an intricate Battle Royale mode, which again works the exact same way. Interesting. So it's funny to see, or it's going to be funny to see if Fortnite ends up staying. Um, 
but I mean, I do think that what really pulled people into Fortnite over everything was the fact that it had that gameplay, but then it also had those two extra things, which is building, which like you said, it brings in that Minecraft audience and also the aesthetic of making it look more kid friendly, which broadened the audience more than it did segregate anything. I think that it honestly just free. made it to where and everybody it's free could. And it's fucking free. And, and I don't know about what the online presence of PUBG is like, but whatever it did, Fortnite established a way to cultivate players connecting and having fun with each other online. And I, I think, I don't know if PUBG was able to do that or if, if there is a, a, a huge fan base behind PUBG that has that same feel or whatever, but... Whatever it was, they established some sort of network and online sentiment that people like and enjoy, and I think that's the biggest factor. Yeah. You know? No, 100%. Know. I mean... It just sounds like they're just butthurt. It it, just, that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, given the recent success, <laughs> the absurd success, like, it's uh, like crazy how fucking successful Fortnite is. Like, it sounds like Facebook getting sued by MySpace for yeah. being like, you copied the idea well, of our bulletins were pretty much statuses having a wall yeah <laughs> Come on. no yeah for sure but yeah i just want to talk about that with you guys so thanks for humoring yeah me. dude max thank you one. for for bringing the topic especially when it's a video game topic <laughs> for those appreciate that. uh let's go into the mailbag i'm gonna read one question before we get out of here since we're running a little long in the tooth and it's one that i've been saving for max to get on the show not because I feel like we need a deciding factor here, but I think I have the answer to this question, and I just need reassurance with all of us here at the same time. That's great. I do want to say that I've been listening to the episode since I've been off, and there have been questions where I was like, fuck, because I wasn't <laughs> yeah. on the show to talk about them, and I was like, <laughs> like god damn it. Which one? one that speaks out to me is one that Dooney Ray said in when he was like, when you're playing fighting games, where do you look on the screen? Right. And recently, I've had a fucking epiphany huh. where I fucking realized that I'm not paying attention to what my characters are doing. I'm trying to look at everything at once. And when somebody's been like beating up on me, I, look, I immediately look to the health bar, uh -huh. and then I'm not ready for the situation that happens afterwards. Ooh. And nowadays, I literally just wait and I try to, and I look at the characters, and I don't break my fucking eye contact with the two air characters all the time. And every single time, I get out of situations that I got blown that up. That is before. awesome. I, like, I wish I was there to say that. <laughs> Guys, pay attention to the characters. Look at everything else with your peripherals. Hey, you got to, you got to get on your soapbox again. I and got shout it, it out to right, Dooney. Kick that soapbox out of here. Good stuff, right, Dooney. Thank you, Dooney. We're for that bringing question. it again with a Dooney question. Thank you, Dooney. <laughs> he starts. Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Who in the crew is Ed? Double D and Eddie. Oh, I think it's no. obvious who's Double D, guys. Who's Double D? I think I'm Double D. Whoa. All right. There we go. It's okay. falling into place. It's clicking into place. Oh, man. You know what? I got to agree with that. I, I don't know why. I guess I don't know specifically why, but I just know I'm not. I don't feel like Ed You're or a soft Eddie. nerd. Yeah. Plus, I've never seen your hair before. <laughs> You're like, Hunter just looked at me like, why would you say, why would you say that to me? <laughs> 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 and so... I look. I think that that Hunter is, is a good fit. <laughs> is a good fit, right? And I just have to say that I think it's obvious where the other two characters go. I and think I it think, is so too. I think that Chase. I think you're Eddie, and I think that yeah. I'm apparently Ed. Yeah. There's a lot of things that play into this you're role. You're the comedic you know? relief, dude. I like to be comedic, of yeah. course. You're but into Chase, cult underground shit. That's true. You're tall Chase, as fuck. You always get, <laughs> you've always got a plan, Chase, and we're always okay. following your plan. We got to make dude. sure you you governed everything when we were kids. You got everything <laughs> rolling, and we just fucking tagged along. Yeah, he we're was like, a, you, your Chase. glue we, figure. Yeah, so one hundred percent, man. I think that's, I can't. I, think I can't tell what makes me double D though. Is it that I'm like nervous? Logically minded. I think that nervous is a good one. You're very understand. Anxious. Yeah, you understand like anxieties while you don't let it control you. You still are aware of everything. Still brave. You. Yeah, you're still brave. The, still brave the but world. You're smart. You're super smart. You're you, smart. Got the, you got the calculators ready to Absolutely. roll. Ambiguously a girl. What? <laughs> I always thought the double D looked like a girl. What? I never thought that really? before. No. Okay. But anyway. The second question. part of the question is, which episode would you like to live out from the show? Do you guys have a favorite episode? Um, I am a big fan. I like the Haunted Mansion episode a lot. 
<laughs> that's a good one. That's a fun time. And then it ended up being a whole big ruse by the Canker Sisters. I'll be completely honest. The only episode that I remember is um, the one where they make a roller coaster. That's a good episode. That's pretty late in the seasons. Really? Yeah. My favorite one is when they do the cruise line down the road. Oh, my God. It's that's the, the best, best episode. One. Yeah, that's 100%. It is the best episode of Double and D. And Double D is super musical in that. Yeah, and dude, he fucking, he fucking rips jams it. in he that rips episode. It. And he's like, super loud about it. Just like, yeah, blowing everybody away. Also, the hottest canker sister was all about Double D, man. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, the blue hair girl. Yeah, the other ones were gross. You know me, ladies man HD. Yeah. It is. Oh, oh, thank man. you for the question, Dooney. I'm going to go ahead and in the mailbag there. We'll get back to the rest of the questions next week. Uh, guys, let's hear your final closing statements on uh, the beer. I think we've said everything we need to say yeah. about it. It's fucking fantastic um, for my, gesti- my weekly gesticulation. It's like when somebody um, is telling something to you that you just agree with and your <laughs> eyes are closed yeah, and you're, you're smiling, that. not only out physically but inside, and you're just nodding your head, and you're like, yes. and you feel like you haven't yes. talked to a person with that opinion in a real long yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> you're yes. like, dude, <laughs> thank God, thank you. Yeah, so this is a fantastic beer. Yeah, way to go, Dogfish Head. You knocked it out of the park for yet real. Again. I will be. This is a beer that I will actively keep my eye out for to yeah. keep around. It looks like it's probably going to be a limited edition. Yeah, y'all should make a it bummer, a perm. But y'all should make it a perm yeah. beer. But it's got the Woody Banner stamp of approval, and whenever that happens, that usually beer, kicks it right into. You don't go back. Boosts it right after the back. Yeah, you, yeah. you got to keep producing that beer if you you know if you're a businessman. At all. Stocks rise, everything happens. Um, yeah, People sue you. <laughs> Yeah, man. If there was a if there was like a Capcom Cup at the end of the year where we brought all of our favorite beers together, this would be like my runner in yeah, for real. So. Absolutely, definitely. What all is right, any well, final words on that? Yeah, oh, the nineteen ninety five Glen Rothis is exactly what I expected. Seems like the little brother of the whiskey that I had last weekend. That being said, like I still have to go ahead and distinguish this as one of the best scotches I've ever had because even though it's not thirty years old, it's only you know twenty three or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> It's an old goddamn scotch, <laughs> and it's an amazing scotch. Um, yeah. Again, I feel to- I feel like I feel lucky to even have access to such a thing. So, you know, if you have an opportunity, maybe it's a special occasion. You're ready to drop a few big bucks, and you see this one up on the shelf. Give it a shot. You're not going to go wrong with it. Um, but that brings us to the end of episode 155. Max, I can't state enough how excited I am to have you back, man. So well, thanks for hopping on. Me too. It's good to be back, man. Yeah. You guys, you guys seemed like you were having a lot of fun bringing it back to the classic age of just you two, right? Yeah. But I could tell by the end there, you know, there was just a little something missing, you know? <laughs> You're just, just like, little, you know, I can hear there. it in their voice. I might as well come back. I think I'll go ahead and head on back, <laughs> so... All right. Well, if you want to keep up with the show, we are on Twitter at Witty Banter Show, and you can subscribe to our feeds via podcasting apps of your choice. And if you don't have any of those, just go to wittybantershow.com to get all of our episodes for free. And uh, we're also roundabout in the internet. Max is at probably Max on Twitter, though I think you've uh, you've given it up for a little while, huh? What are you talking? Twitter? Oh, Twitch, or I'm sorry, uh, Twitter. Yeah, uh, deleted it off my phone. A lot of stuff recently where I've just been like, I want as little distractions as possible. So mm-hmm. I haven't been on the Twitter in a while. So well, if you decide to catch him there, he might be lurking around. I am at Bodacious Chase, and Hunter has a YouTube channel. He is Crypto Diesel on the YouTubes. Uh, that's everything. I am excited to talk to you guys next week. Definitely. And until then, everyone have a good day wherever you are. Good day. Beep, beep, pop, pop, beep, beep.